Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Going Rogue Podcast. Before we get into it, we're going to take a second and thank some of the companies and the people that make this whole thing possible. The Lloyd Family Farm Highland Games. Signups are now live on Iron Podium. Go to the filter feature and select Highland Games. You should be able to find it. If not, just search Lloyd Family Farm Highland Games on ironpodium.com coming up in April of 2024. This episode is also brought to you by heavyathlete.com. Heavyathlete.com is a cross-compatible database, meaning you can link all of your historical scores from NASGA to your heavy athlete profile, regardless of how your name was ever entered. All of your new scores will automatically update into NASGA going forward as well. We've created a pro women and a lightweight women's class, meaning you can finally see where you rank in your actual class. It's receiving updates all the time and is free to use for athletes and ADs. For more information, go listen to the one-turn NASGA No More or go to heavyathlete.com. The Barn Gym. Uh, if you guys are anywhere near Caroline County, Virginia or Ruth or Glen, or if you like making a drive and find yourself somewhere near the 95 Route 1 corridor in uh, the northern part of central Virginia, stop on by and check out the Barn Gym. It is the only 24-hour strength facility in that area. It has everything you need from Highland Games to Strongman to powerlifting to grip sports or just general fitness. You can find them at thebarngymva.com on Instagram at thebarngymva, a period between every word, or you can email them at ltgthebarngym at gmail.com. That's L as in Lincoln, T as in Tom, G as in George, thebarngym at gmail.com. Check them out. Hey, Zach, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. How you doing? Fantastic, man. Hey, um, just so we can get the official intro out of the way, we got Zechariah Whittington, two-time Masters world champ, and then... I'm Jeremy, and Matt's I, here. I'm Matt. I'm actually here for this one. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> glad to finally get you on, man. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for yeah. having me. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, hopefully worth it. It's what, about 6 p.m. is y'all's time? That's after, right. Uh, That's a little good. after 9 o'clock our time here on the East Coast. So mm-hmm. we uh, we got it working. But um, for those that don't know, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, two-time Masters world champ. Um, I think 2021, 2022. That's right. You've been competing since, I think overall since what, 2017, 2018, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right up in there. All right. Perfect. Did a couple of years as an AM before you moved to Masters. Yep. So we'll we'll jump right into it because I've got all the intro stuff kind of pre-recorded now. So that'll all splice together. What got you into the Highland Games, man? It seems like you... uh, you came into it, and I'm assuming around just before the age of 40, if that all connects with... Yeah, yeah. How did um, that start out for you? Well, one of my, my friends, Buck Sullivan, um, who's a real good friend of mine in, in wire hammer thrower, uh, you know, we're both from Northern California. And at the time, I was just looking for something new to get into, something to kind of get, get back into competition, because I, I was, you know, relatively done with uh, wire hammer. Um and I just wanted to get into something different, you know, and I've done everything before, you know, I've done this, done that, boxed, wrestling, football, and so on. Um, but just just thought this would be a good challenge, you know. Came out, flipped a caber at practice, and he threw me a kilt and said, I entered you in a meet. So next mm. thing I knew, I was competing. Perfect. Brandon, did you hear that? He flipped a caber. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's our friend Brandon's nemesis. He's loving everything but caber right now. So I had to- Yeah. It's a cruel mistress. It really it's it's the weird event, man. I don't I can't fault mm-hmm. anyone for uh for, I can. Well, yeah. We can <laughs> we turn cavers, we can yeah. fault everyone, but I'm trying to be nice. So you started out with like wire hammer, you said boxing and wrestling. What uh what was your kind of first thing? Was wire hammer your main throwing connection prior to the Highland Games and, and uh, actually actually discus. Discus oh, was hell my yeah. school. Shot shot put in discus was my first um, you know, my first invitation to throwing, you know, okay. Um, started that off. I'm originally from Texas. Uh, so I started wow. off throwing back when I was about, I don't know, maybe 13, 14, kind of dabbled in it a little bit, you know, okay. and then, uh, picked it up real, real seriously when I got to California at about 15 and, you know, still hold the record at my, at my high school, you know, Very so that's nice. kind of, yeah, kind of nice, you know? Um, but yeah, but I've done, you know, all the sports, you know, football, wrestling, track and field, you know, throwing, 
um, I was always interested in, you know, throwing the hammer, you know, so I didn't get a t- chance to touch that until, um, until college. Uh, so went to, went so where did you end up competing collegiately? At Berkeley, at UC okay. Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Did you throw your whole college career at Berkeley or did you move around or how'd that work out for you? Well, I had, a, a, I originally got recruited for football. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had a full scholarship um, to Berkeley and I ended up uh, sustaining a uh, cervical spine injury and it was yeah. smarter to stay and go to school and get that degree, which, you know, overall, that's what you're there for. You're a student yep. athlete, you know, first. So, you know, plus on top of which, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a Berkeley degree? Yep. So, you know, it was really enticing because, you know, one of the reasons why I chose the school was so that just in case I did get hurt, you know, the degree would mean something to yeah, the world, yeah. you know? So, yeah, no, so it's, a, it's a very good academic school. So, yeah, it's, it's an awesome yeah. thing to be able to say that you did. Exactly, exactly. But I was coached, uh, you know, picked up the hammer again, you know, late in college, um, you know, ended up throwing, I think, what, 60, 60, no, no, actually 58, almost 59 meters okay. after about two years in, in college. And then in the open, I threw 69 high, mid, somewhere in there, 69 oh, yeah. meters or something like that in the open. 6970, something like that. I can't remember what the what the official yeah. so like was. Um, 220-ish, 230-ish feet. Yeah, like yeah, somewhere, oh, yeah. yeah, somewhere in the in, in the mid to 220s. Um, okay. So so yeah, that was you know, and I threw discus. Uh, what about 50, 53, 54 meters uh, in college with two K. So yeah, yeah, always been into it, man. Nice. That's I, I, you love to hear it. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, uh, I want to kind of touch on everything before we get into the specifics um, of kind of what we got you. Which, really, it's it's we're pretty free-form about this. I know you sent over some things, but it's really wherever this takes us. If there's something that you decide you want to talk about, man, we'll we'll go down that rabbit hole. We got nothing but time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But so you touched on, like, boxing and wrestling. Do you think any of that is, like, uh, carried over or done well for you in terms of throwing or helped you out at all? Or a- Absolutely. I mean, especially – with you know knowing how to how to hurt you know what i mean you know football is really any sport but mainly those contact sports where mm-hmm. it's kind of you know mano a mano those are really you know sports that like to indoctrinate you with pain you know what i mean i mean it's, it's really it's really one of those pain indoctrination sports when you're going up against another person you know in a physical sense mm-hmm. and you know this is something where you don't you don't touch another person you know what i mean so yeah. for me this is something that, you know, those those harder, more um, physically brutal sports have kind of primed me to be able to, you know, deal with the pains and the aches and things that come along with throwing these, you know, multitude of events in one day. Mm-hmm. So would you say that, like, uh, the benefit that you've gotten out of that has been a lot more mental than physical? I would of- say both. I would yeah. say both. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of carryover for me in my training, especially. Uh, I use a lot of cross-training. Uh, in order to you know stay in shape you know if you will so that you know i'm always mimicking some of the modalities of movement that are that are, that are in all nine of these events yeah. in some capacity so it gives me a good look at a multi-dimensional multi-planar movement pattern you know um in ways that you know probably a linear sport can't yeah you know yeah for or sure I mean, trying to balance that across all nine is is a struggle for anyone to, yeah, yeah. To try and plan out how you're going to do that. Um, exactly. Well, I think that's as good a segue as any into kind of what we were hoping to have you on here to talk about, which was to touch on the differences in new training and nutrition and nutrition, excuse me, and all that for the Highland game. So, like, uh, if you're good with it, let's just jump on into like the training side of it. And uh, yeah, some of the things I had wrote down for was, uh, and we could tackle it in any order you want to, but throwing as a seasonal outlook versus heavy lifting is seasonal and then throwing mm-hmm. strength. So is there any one of those that you'd like to kind of jump off of anything that you want to talk about more than one or the other or kind of um, intro with? Well, uh, let's start with, you know, throwing, throwing because that were, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Let's talk that's, about throwing. That's the end goal, um, right? Absolutely. That's the, that's the game plan is to make things go high and far. Yeah. Um, so, so I'll say this, uh, I, my philosophy is this is with any sport but especially throwing throwing should be the primary goal Mm -hmm. 
you know um yeah. you're, Those are the you're numbers lifting, yeah exactly your lifting should not outrun your your throwing i mean for one because we're throwing such heavy implements um in irregular conditions depending on where you practice and where you're located in in, yeah. in, in america um you have different variables you know and you know, lifting can only do so much for you. I'm saying, I, I mean, it's a great big part of the sport, but at the same time, you know, you can only use so much of a thousand pound deadlift. Right. You know what I mean? You can only use so much of a 800 pound squat, you know, and so on and so forth. You know, everything has to kind of, <laughs> kind of, kind of cohesively work together to kind of come together in your throw, where, whenever that may be, you know. So the periodization of throwing is where I believe. You know the, the 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 rubber meets the road. Yeah, where you where um, you get the most out of it. Exactly, exactly. Because you know when you when you you know you got nine events to throw. You know, and some of these events are events that could you know you have to really sequester yourself to throw. You know, or you know especially if you're you know covering any kind of distance with these heavy implements, man. Because you know things could go awry. You know what I mean? And I know that's one of the problems that I have. So I have to really make sure that you know, my time is well spent doing the things that really count, you know, and throwing for me is that thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think years and years of built up strength. I know that I have a certain amount of strength in my pocket. I, I, I'm just confident of that. You know what I mean? And there's things that I do that assist me, you know, in my downtime in maintaining my strength and my flexibility or mobility or whatever it is so that I don't have to work on that during the season or during a time where I really have to throw a lot and I have to throw high volumes of throws, whether it be in its smaller components or its larger, you know, um, its larger self, you know. So, you know, I try to instill upon anybody who wants to enter this sport or, you know, uh, the sport of, you know, Olympic throwing, in, you know, wire hammer or shot put or whatever the case may be, you have to really idealize the throw. And the throw has to be the primary goal of any basis of any periodization and training program. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And that's a great point. My, my question to you would be, it, do you think that's the same comparison for like you who came into this sport at 37, 38 with already a probably larger than most throwing and strength training background as opposed to some of the people who might be getting into this sport at 22 without a tremendous strength or throwing background would you have them mm -hmm. prioritize the same thing or would you have them build a foundation of strength before they started throwing you know um i think it's a mixed bag you know everybody is different you know everybody's femurs are you know different lengths everybody's torsos are a little bit longer or shorter but here's the thing the good thing about that is is that as long as you don't grow another arm and a leg, man, you know, throwing is going to be the same. You're still going to move in the same direction. So I would say, you know, getting a mix of the, the two. So if you don't have a strength base, but you have a good technical base, you know, a good, a good analogy is, um, you know, Valerie Almond, you know what I mean? Ladies, you know, discus champion, champion, you know, gold medalist, you know, she comes from a dancing background. So she has a lot more athleticism in her back pocket than, <laughs> that most people doing, you know, in their whole, whole yeah, body. Her, her, you know, her proprioception's so, got to be through the roof. That's what I'm trying to say. So, you know, her ability to react and hold her balance and load her axis up or not, you know, is it, phenomenal. So you have people with these attributes that can cross-pollinate with what's going on with track and field, and you got to find out what that is. Now, if you're starting from a, from a, from a totally – grassroots perspective and you you have never thrown anything you have never competed in anything you have never lifted anything heavy i would suggest yes that you get with a professional or somebody who's you know has some type of understanding of the sport in order to kind of you know find out what's going on here you know what i mean what you need to do to you know come up with a program that works for you yeah. for sure so i think it just depends on the person yeah. but i mean as far as if you have a throwing background already i mean you have a head start. I'm sorry. Every uh, it just you just kind of know which direction to go. I you know. Agree. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think the fact that one of us on this podcast is a pro and one of us isn't would say that yeah, it's yeah. definitely a hard start. start. It certainly helps. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. That learning curve gets real steep. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. yeah. When you're trying to throw all nine and you have no conception of, you know, forward is backwards and backwards and yep. for, is forwards and so on and so forth and down is up and you facing behind you is actually in front of you you yep. know what i mean so it's a it's a lot of understanding about you know 
you have to almost rewire yourself because I find that most throwers are pretty smart guys and gals. You know, they understand, you know, physics and they understand how things work mechanically, at least within themselves, um, which I think, you know, that's one of the biggest attributes to being a trainer. Uh, I'm sorry, to being a thrower prior to getting into to, to the Highland Games. Yeah, no, 100%. I'd definitely say that all good throwers seem to have a very good handle on that. Yeah, good proprioception. And like, yeah. I mm-hmm. came, I came into the sport never having thrown a weight before, but I'd done 10,000 wheel drills. So it mm-hmm. wasn't that hard to figure it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and that's the thing is you, you have to find something relatable in many ways, you know, like when you lift, like for instance, you know, the cross pollination of lifting and throwing, mm-hmm. how do you train the caber? You know what I mean? Right. You, you know, you can't go out and throw a caber, you know, two, te- two days a, uh, a week for 10 throws. So how yeah. do we train this? You know what I mean? What's the modalities of training that's going to allow us to mimic certain specifics that allow us to trans translate to the actual throw? Well, what's going to allow us to translate, you know? So these are the things that I try to figure out for myself because sometimes you have to get creative, you know, yeah. and you don't have, you know, the ability to do otherwise. Yeah, your, your gym doesn't have a caber in it. No golds that I've ever stepped foot into. <laughs> it's not a, exactly. well, Matt's gym has one because he's yeah. fancy. So <laughs> Exactly. He, he got, he's got his own stockpile, huh? Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, nine times out of 10, that's not going to be the case. Exactly. Exactly. Um, no, that's good. So, uh, it, how would you break up your? Uh, if we're talking about strength training, how does your uh, your in season differ from your off season? As far as uh, the word you keep using, cross pollination. You know, how do you you balance that uh, strength training versus throwing, and vice versa? From, mm-hmm. I mean, however many phases you want to break it up into. Like on the surface, I I would say off season, early season, peak, and then mm-hmm. back to later off season. But that's just for me. How right. do you typically break that up and how do you work those things for you? Like what, what does work for a master's world champ? How do you? Um, well, what I try to do is I try to take this um, training seasonally. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is, you know, seasons or quarters, right? So, yeah, you know, 12 week cycles, you know, so 12 to 12 to 16 week cycles, depending on how much I'm lifting or competing or whatever the case. So I try to break it up, you know, in the off season, First of all, let's start with the end of a season, right? Because uh-huh. it, I think the end of the season is the beginning of the next season. Yeah. Right? So so the end of the season, you know, you're rang out from the year, from whatever you've done, whatever oohies and owies you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, however much weight you've gained because you're eating more or eating horrible food or you're you're just not as spry as you were in the beginning of the season i I think i put on 15 pounds across last season from being in the gym less throwing more and just eating like crap i'm that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying especially if you go into these meets where there's really good food you know oh yeah right you know (laughs) yeah that's what i'm trying to tell you those meat pies go crazy so 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 you know end of the season you have to have some kind of protocol some kind of recovery protocol. And a lot of people bypass this part because this recovery, the body needs that time to recover, especially all the pounding and the PSIs on the joints and the back and hands and, you know, all the things that you just develop over the course of time, whether it be if you're young or you're old, it doesn't matter. It's just that this sport kind of beats you up in that way, especially considering that you compete on various different terrains in grass, the torque, the torque on the knees and the back and, you know, you got boots on, you're throwing with, you know, you know, you have to rehab all that stuff. Yeah. You know, so it's important that you have a, I find that I need a recovery protocol. I've always had one, even if, even when I was younger. For me, I dabble in, you know, um, contrast. I do a lot of contrast. So hot, cold contrast, not ice baths. I personally don't like ice baths. My body doesn't do well with those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do use contrast only about a 20 degree differential. If, if any at all, you know what I mean? I don't deal with, you know, like hundred degree dif- differentials uh, in, in hot versus cold. Mm-hmm. So I'll do some contrast. Um, I get massage. Uh, I get a little bit of uh, acupuncture when I need it. Um, I, d- I don't do any chiropractic uh, just because I don't, I don't like manipulation of my spine, especially when I'm trying to lift heavier weights. It just makes yeah. it feel bad mm-hmm. for me. Um, cryotherapy. Um, I, yeah. like I said, I don't do ice bath, but I do cryo cryotherapy. 
And also I do um, every now and again, I'll do uh, maybe seven or eight rounds of HBOT therapy, which is uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy as well to help just that deep skeletal healing, you know? Um, so that's, you know, my rest protocol for about a month, you know, and I'll make sure that I start working on nutrition and all that kind of stuff and eat more low acid foods and things like that to kind of bring down the inflammation from the season, especially if I had a really intense end of the year. And then going into the next quarter, what I'll do is I'll write up workouts that, that have a lot of volume in it, but also have a lot of throwers drilling in it. I don't officially throw. I don't throw a lot during the off season. I drill a lot during the off season. Yeah, what's that? Uh, what's that look for you? What is uh throws drilling but not throwing? You know, like what? Um. So, for instance, like, you know, first, you know, my philosophy on drill drills are nobody's winning, you know, competitions for drills. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Drills are strictly for you to learn kinesthetic awareness about where where you are in space, what you're doing, what the body's doing, for you to record and play back so you can see the feeling um, that you had. So uh, when you say that, just to, to clarify, does that mean that you're not going for a certain distance with drills or not a certain mm-hmm. level of intensity? No. What is that? Now, now, here's the thing. I may go for a certain intensity, but I may not go for a certain distance. Okay. Right? So it's like such and such at 60% today. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll put, say, for instance, let's take the, the lightweight for distance. Everybody likes to throw the lightweight for distance really, really far. Right. Nope, really, I, really far. Oh, I can't. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, and it's to me the most like the discus, right? Yeah. I start off with discus. I like discus a lot. So I know for me, my nervous system is keyed into that. You know what I mean? So I know I have to kind of, pace myself a little bit and kind of work into the positions and that kind of thing. So what I'll do is I'll put out some cones at maybe 50 to 60% of my, you know, PR. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll try to just gently Wait, place. I, huh? Touch on this earlier. What is your, uh, what is your best lightweight throw? I meant to do this in the intro, but what mm, do you, my best lightweight throw, oh, man, I, I got to check NASM, uh, NASCA, but I will say, I think it's like, one of his like 7980 or something like that. Say we're we're definitely over 70 I feel like cuz I I Yeah, I, yeah. Definitely over 70, well over 70. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm like 7980 somewhere in there or whatever. Yeah, and you're you're what? Over 40 with the 42 and well over 30 with the 56, right? Yeah, so I'm like 30, I think my best has been 36 high with the 56 and 55 high with the 42. Okay. Um and let's see, I'm and I'm a one turner. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Single turn. Yeah. All right. Cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you off yeah. track. No, no, no worries. No worries. Uh, a um, yeah, no worries. But I would say, you know, as far as training cycles go, uh, in the beginning of the season, what I'm doing is like with lightweight for distance. I'm just basically range range throwing a little bit. You know what I mean? So I'll just get in there. I'll just dump a few. You know, my fifty to sixty range or whatever. And it takes skill to even do that. For sure. Because you have to really, you know, be patient with yourself. You know what I mean? I think a lot of the throws, because the implements are so heavy, people tend to forget that these implements don't move as fast as you move or your brain moves. You know what I mean? So you have to kind of allow, it's almost like the waltz. It has to be lady first, then you. You know what I mean? It has to be, it can't be you first. I'm going to make this thing go. I'm going to manipulate this you know, these physics and make it happen harder. You know what I mean? It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? You have to work with physics. So I tell people, you know, range throwing teaches you to stay connected, feeling the bottom of the implement. You know what I mean? Knowing where you are, feeling how long your arm is or not. Again, filming yourself and seeing the feeling, you know? So for me, I try to break up my throws in that way. And I'll do that for, you know, 10 throws in a session, you know? And then I'll maybe say, okay, I'm going to take, five, six minutes, you know, think about what I did, maybe watch a little film, watch a playback or whatever. And then I'll give myself two eighty to eighty five percent throws and that's a as a full throw. And that's a practice for that event. Yeah. You know, and then we move on to the next, you know? Mm-hmm. How many uh it, for you personally, how many different events are you like practicing in a given day? Like how does that break uh, for you? 
Well, well, uh, caber, I try to practice specifically on its own and by itself because I have a lot of caber drills that I personally do. Okay. Um, but every other event, there's about two, I, I practice about two a day. Um, and I try to keep, keep it in the same modality. So I'll practice Braemar and, you know, shot in the same, or uh, open stone in the same day. I'll do both hammers. I'll do both lightweights. And I'll do my wob and my sheath since they're both vertical events. Yeah. Um, what are your caper drills? Because you, you said you got a lot of them. And I mean, I mm-hmm. I only know of a, a very short few. So I'd, I'd, if you know something I don't, I'm, I'm super curious. Like what uh, what are your caper drills that you run through in a normal practice? Um, you know, so I'll go, I'll run through some slalom drills, you know, I'll put the, the, the cones out, put about 10 cones out about okay. two feet apart and, um, I'll just pick up a caber, you know, um, I practice cabers about hundred and hundred, 110 pounds waterlogged now. So it's probably heavier. Um, yeah. and then you're just walking through the slalom and I'm just, like, I'm right. just walking through the slalom or whatever, working on my footwork, uh, working on the balance of the caber. Um, and then I'll also do some um, off-balance drills as well. I'll set my feet in an off-balance position, and I'll just wiggle the caber a little bit or whatever and try to try to balance it and stay up under it, you know, and maybe walk about 10 feet while I'm trying to wiggle the ham, uh, the, um, the caber a little bit Yeah. Uh, just for a little bit of abstract work. Um, I'll do some uh, some Braemars. So essentially I'll Braemar the the, the the uh, caber so i'll take a step just one step load up and try to finish mm-hmm. um let's see i do some lateral drills where i just pick it up and switch it from shoulder to shoulder so if i'm oh. moving to the right i'll move it to my right shoulder move laterally if i'm moving left switch to my left shoulder move laterally um yeah that kind of stuff all right no cool i i honestly hadn't thought of a lot of those that's I like it. I hopefully give some people some ideas of, uh, of things they can work on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that's kind of it. We've touched on off season a little bit. How does that change up for you? Um, when you go into in season, as far as how your, your structure and all that, are you still two events a day with caber? Mm-hmm. Do you switch that up? Do you go higher? Do you go lower? How does that? Um, I usually change the vol the intensity. So I have a, I have an accurate acronym F I T T. Right. So, Frequency, intensity, time, and type, right? So I'll switch up the frequency of how how fast I throw throws during a throw during a session. Okay. You know, so instead of taking two, three minutes in between, you know, I'll only take a minute. Or sometimes I'll take a five-minute break, depending on how hard I threw. You know, and the intensity that's based on intensity. You know, did I throw 80%? Did I throw 100%? Did I throw um, a lighter implement at 110%? for that extra octave of speed, you know? So it just depends on where I'm at, you know? Um, I will I will adjust for events that I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel my nervous system click and I don't want it to get too overloaded with that one event. So I'll yeah. switch over to another event and carry over. Sometimes I'll change up my volume a little bit, you know? So if I'm doing really well in hammer and my hammers are going really well, I'm not going to press them. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? exactly you know what i mean if i'm doing really well i'll I'll say okay let's let's save these last three you know 90 percent throws for another day you know or another event you know so using kind of my my moderation but see i'm again i'm also you know i've been throwing for a long time so i have a lot built up in my nervous system so this for me i think is a technique that anyone can use you know but you have to know your body you have to know what you feel harder for new throwers whereas you know you may be able to or matt with 15 years of throwing experience or even Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. me being in the sport for a little bit i might be able to say hey those last two throws felt the way i'm looking for them to feel Mm -hmm. i'm gonna walk away as opposed to a newer thrower may go hey that felt good i need to keep drilling that right i can make that the way that it always feels it's a now now here's the drawback to that notion though Mm -hmm. as a new thrower this is where that can get you in trouble is where you are practicing something that you feel that you think feels good but it's actually wrong yeah you know and as a thrower you know my coach used to tell me um you know randy zeraldo um you know who coached me at cal he used to tell me if it feels wrong it's probably right right it 
Yeah. You know, and, you I, know, and that's, that's counterintuitive to the uh, human genome, especially when we're doing something hard. We usually try harder. The human genome is try harder. Which is not when your good throws happen, unfortunately. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think it's it's something that's a learning curve. And I think if you're only one to two years into throwing, it's going to be something that uh, people are going to have a lot of trouble trying to figure out. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's a trial and error. Um, mm-hmm. Now, does any of that, so that's that's off-season, that's in-season. Do you ever run uh, through, like when you're getting ready for Masters Worlds or something like that, do you ever change it up for like, let's say a quote-unquote peak? You know, does anything change yeah. you as far as your lifting versus throwing and how you address that? Um, well, you know, you know, I'm gonna be quite honest with you guys, you know, a lot of what I've used over the last few years, mm-hmm. um, has been just natural taken out of, out of what I've known, what I've learned from college. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't really try to peak in this sport. I've never tried it. I would, let's just say it that way. I've never tried to peak in this sport. So I don't really know what a peak looks like in this sport for me. Okay. You know what I mean? I can only imagine if I did, I think I'm going to try to and see what happens. Um, but, uh, but but I've never really tried to. I've tried to peak in the gym before, but never yeah. on the field. <laughs> yeah, no, that's something Matt has touched on in the podcast before is that peaking happens in the weight room. It's not yeah. necessarily a peaking with throws. It's a managing your recovery and your lifts to try and peak physically. You exactly. Know? Now, now, now in the college world, or I'm sorry, in the open Olympic throwing world, there's a way to peak with your throws depending on what you have, because that's really what you're trying to do. You're... Yeah. So in the, in the, the, the open Olympic world, um, mm-hmm. you want to try to peak for certain meets, you know what I mean? There's certain protocols that you do or don't do um, in order to elicit the best possible response from the body yeah. um, going into these, be- these big meets. Um, I find that, you know, because you're in college, you're usually overtrained. Mm-hmm. All athletes in college are overtrained. That's just, I'm a, I'm, that's not a generalization. That's a fact. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of what is instilled is that indoctrination of pain over the course of time, especially with you having to go to school and go to class and show up for meetings and blah, 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 and sleep deprivation and all that kind of good stuff, you know, excess calorie intake because, you know, it's either sleep or calories. Mm-hmm. So you know, so there's all that that's going on. Whereas in this sport, it's a little bit more tame because you have nine events over the course of time and you can't really compete in these events every weekend, you know, for, for six months. It's just almost, it's virtually impossible. Yeah, Unless, get- of course, this is the only thing you do, you know? Um, so I find that trying to find, trying to set your season up for the most success would be the best way to peak. Mm-hmm. I yeah, would say out your games and planning out your your rest cycles and how exactly, you're... exactly, and giving yourself enough time to progress. Yeah, like because because if you're throwing every, you're 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 competing every two weeks. You're never really training. No, you know I... what I mean. You're preparing for the next meet. Yeah, you're you're and never that... progressively better, at least by any market level. You exactly. Know? Exactly. And so you're 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 kind of marginalizing yourself in ways because the mentality is different. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're 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 hyper critical all the time. You know what I mean? You're 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 overplaying things, you're over blowing things, you're you're probably overtraining. So you're doing things and setting up little nuances in in, in, in you know, programming things in your nervous system that you're eventually gonna have to deprogram, you know. So learning again, going back to that rest protocol learning how to, you know, implicitly pay attention to recovery. Even if you do one thing a week, two things a week, and you stick to that recovery cycle, whether it's self-myofascial release, you know, foam rolling and, you know, stretching and mobility and, you know, sitting in a sauna, you know, infrared, whatever it is that you do needs to be done on a habitual basis because it's all cumulative, just like working out, just like throwing. Yeah, no, I, I I don't think we could agree more because I know last season in particular for I think me and Matt was a really uh, pedal to the floor season. I think I threw twelve or thirteen games. Wow, I think That's Matt nice. seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, seventeen yeah. or eighteen for Matt. So we we hit the ground running, and I can say that for the first six weeks of my off season, I was incapable of doing much, mm-hmm. if anything. Like it mm-hmm. was it was a pain in the ass because I didn't I I 
chose to throw more games, and it mm-hmm. is what it is. Exactly, exactly. And and you know the thing is, is you know you learn from those seasons. You know mm-hmm. those seasons are also very valuable because you, sometimes you need to do that. Yeah, you know, you um, two of them. Yeah, and it just depends on you know, like for instance, last year for me was a wicked year because I you know I ended up getting married last year as well, and oh, I was you know. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, I was back and forth, man. Like, end of the year after Masters Worlds, like, I came back to the States for 10 days and left and went back to Europe to go get married. You know what I mean? And it was like, man, it was a whirlwind. So it was like preparing for all that. It just depends. You know, this is a a real lifestyle kind of situation, you know, type of sport where, you know, most people work full time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one's Um, anyone's full time job. That's what I'm saying. You know, most people work full time. So you also have to take that into account, too. What is your job type? You know what I mean? Do are you do you work for UPS? You know, are you a construction worker? So there's only so much you can expect of yourself if you are someone who does hard labor. Yeah. You know, and on the converse side of that, if you're someone who does, you know, uh, um, desk labor as well, you know, you're going to have eight hours a day where you're sitting down. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to make sure it's more of a priority for you to do so, you know. Um, you know, me, I'm a trainer. I, you know, I have, I, I run, run my own fitness business and, um, uh, that kind of thing. So it's hard for me when, when I'm working all the time, if I don't get up and get it done in the morning and I don't throw on weekends, you know, I mean, you know, minimally it doesn't get done, you know, minimally it gets done, but you know, like quantifiably, I don't get it done as much as I would like to, you know, but thankfully I work as a trainer and I have my own, you know, fitness facility and I can work out you know, intermittently when I need to. So that's a, that's a blessing, you know? Yeah. You can put the total volume in, but yeah, exactly. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I, I think that covers at least the, the generality of, or general, I'm bad with words. It's amazing. I run a podcast, man. Um, it's all good, man. The general feeling of training. Um, how does a uh, nutrition play into that for you? Like, do you break that up in a, in a similar sense, are you structuring things for a, an in season and off season and stuff like that? Or, um, <clears throat> this is gen- generally my, my general nutrition style is mm-hmm. I, I only eat single, single ingredient foods. So what I mean by that is if I mean, I mean, here's the thing, seasoning, seasoning is in a different, different category. Everybody needs hot sauce. So that's different. But as far as food goes, you know, if I'm eating steak, I'm eating steak. If I'm eating potatoes, I'm eating potatoes. You know what I mean? If I'm eating yeah. veggies, I'm eating veggies. You know what I mean? If I'm eating fruit, I'm eating fruit. You know? So there's really not too many candy bars and donuts and stuff like that. If my wife yeah. if I want something sweet, I'll ask my wife to bake something. Yes. You know what I mean? You're avoiding processed foods. Uh, yes. So yeah. all all processed foods for me, most processed foods, because really and truly, even if you buy ground beef, ground beef is processed. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so you have to, you know, minimally processed foods. You know what I mean? Obviously, we can't eat certain foods in certain forms, so they have to be processed. But the point is, is I eat most of my food from a whole food source. Uh-huh. Uh, and I try to, you know, I try to err on the side of not necessarily eating for calories. I eat for quantity. Okay. So I don't necessarily count calories. You know what I mean? I, I eat for volume and quantity because what happens is when you're eating whole foods, you're eating foods that are more volume-esque. Yeah, they're not as calorie-dense, I think, as exactly. but before. Whereas like a, a Big Mac may be incredibly calorie-dense, but you're hungry an exactly. hour later exactly. as a pound of steak, you know? Exactly. So so that kind of stuff, you know, um, I make sure that, you know, my rest plays into that. So, you know, if I eat a larger, if I'm eating a heavier meat-laden mm-hmm. meal during a certain cycle, I'll make sure that I'm sleeping more because sleeping is the only way that my body can process that protein. I can't process that protein when my eyes are open, you know? So I'll make sure that I'm sleeping more. So if I'm eating, if I'm eating more beef, I'm sleeping more. If I'm eating lighter foods, I'm sleeping less. Okay. You know, that's just my personal feel. That's how my body works. Hey, it's um, it for you. Yeah, exactly. It works for me. Um, I don't, believe in a lot of protein shakes i don't believe in protein shakes because a lot of what they sell you is filler and nobody really needs to drink be drinking oreo cookie flavored anything in my opinion um i think that taking a lot of supplements you should only take 
things that count. I believe in, you know, I take five supplements. Yeah. I take, I, 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 yeah, it, it hit us. What are the, yeah. So I take creatine. Okay. Cause I believe, you know, there's, there's a lot of studies that suggest that creatine goes beyond just muscular strength and athletic performance. There's also mental health benefits. There's also anxiety benefits. There's also, um, you know, upregulation of other things in the body benefits from other things in the body. Yeah. Um, I take uh, athletic greens okay. um, as well because it has a lot more probiotics and gut healthy stuff. Now, are you um, at, uh, I know they do like capsule form and powder form and all, like, how do you, uh, I go all powders. I go, most of my vitamins are either mixed with some kind of water or aqueous solution of some sorts, or they're in, um, they're in liquid form already. Okay. So I'll do, um, I'll like, I'll do a, a black seed oil which is high in uh, thymoquinone, which is, which is simply uh, allows you to recover a lot quicker and, you know, um, promotes apoptosis in uh, bad cells in the body, which is cell death okay. um, without hurting the good stuff. Um, as well as it helps, you know, hair, skin, nails, collagen, connective tissues, and so on and so forth to replenish themselves. Uh, I take uh, Silajit, <clears throat> which is a Himalayan uh, compound. Uh, which was is basically, you know, provided to us by the earth. You know, it's it's minerals that helps to remineralize the body, okay, um, as well and calm down inflammation and you know all the good stuff. High in fulvic acid, which helps you know regenerate hair and skin and nails and muscles, muscle tissue and bring down inflammation. Um, so blah 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 blah. BCAA's, okay. um, the BCAA's that are not endogenous. Uh, meaning the ones that the body does not produce. Um, and uh, and I take a uh, omega-3. Okay. Yeah. So those those being the basics for me. That's what works for me. Um, I try not to take anything in gummy form, like anything with a, with a, with a sugar transportation form. Um, I don't take any, any um, artificial sweetener, so I don't do stevia or any of that stuff. Um, if I'm going to eat anything, sugar is going to be, a from a maple syrup, uh, honey, um, some type of dates, now, do uh, you beets, something like that. That makes you feel from like a, an quote unquote artificial source as opposed to like a natural source of sugar or. Um, well that, that helps me with my inflammation because I find that when I eat refined sugar, my mm -hmm. joints are not as mobile. Okay. Because I didn't, I, and I do believe that, you know, sugar is that, you know, like for instance, you know, anybody who's had a back injury shouldn't be eating like white rice, right? Because it'll, it'll, it'll inflame, inflame your back quicker. Okay. You know, so there's all these little things that I personally do, you know, and have researched and, you know, have talked to whomever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever specialists or, you know, whatever doctors or physicians or whatever the case I've came in contact with, and they all concur that sugar especially for athletic performance is not as good as one would think. Now, when you're in the actual act of doing, right? So for instance, you know, you watch, you know, Marshawn Lynch eat Skittles on the sideline and you might, you watch guys, you know, Chad Ocho Cinco drink, you know, you know, soda during the game, you know, you watch that kind of stuff, you know, and you're like, wow, how are these guys doing this stuff? Well, there's actually a scientific means for that. You know, you, your, your glycogen stores are being burnt so fast that you can't renew them quick enough. Yeah, they're looking for that that fast replenishment. Exactly, they're looking for that fast replenishment, not you know, not nuts and honey. You know what I mean? So that's for post game or pre game. You know what I mean? So we're looking for something sugar real fast right now. So for me, you know, whenever I'm trying to look for fast sugar, you mm -hmm. know, I I, I turn to uh, gummy bears or yeah. uh, or, or uh, Rice Krispie crew over here. That's ah, that's what's up, man. Yeah, I used to be Rice Krispies, man. I used to I used to. I used to be all over Rice Krispies with everything on them too, man. Peanut butter, M&M's, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. The Scottish crew, man, comes through with the brownies. So sometimes I get caught up, you know, with the brownies. You know what I mean? Sometimes somebody's mom comes through and is like, offers me a brownie and it's like, I can't say no. No, so. no. I, I don't think I've ever <laughs> a brownie in my life. That's right. Yeah. Um. Now, is that the main difference for you? Just like uh, during game days, you're just a little more uh, uh, fast and loose with like your your fast carb sources and things like that. Is that <clears throat> well, you know, first thing, in the, you know, I always eat oat during the season, especially uh -huh. when I compete. 
I always eat oatmeal. First thing in the morning, big ass bowl of oatmeal. Excuse me. So I don't know if I you can cuss. Um, what we okay. have <laughs> big ass bowl of oatmeal, um, fully dressed with different chains of sugar. So I'll do some maple syrup, I'll do some um some fruit and some, you know, uh um uh, some nuts and all that kind of good stuff. Um and then I'll usually have during the day while I'm competing. I usually don't eat a whole bunch when I compete. I usually uh I'll have something small. I still have something with a little protein in it, but mainly I'm eating like pineapples and you know apples and you know sweeter fruits and stuff like that and then i'll you know i'll have a handful of gummy bears and it just kind of all comes together you know okay yeah okay. And, and then when i cramp up I, I you know i eat a lot of mustard and pickles too so yeah for the cramps a little acid and a little sodium in there there you go be all right all right um I mean, I think we've touched on uh, most of the stuff. Now, a phrase you've used a couple of times when we were talking pre-podcast was like throwing strength. Does that mm-hmm. mean different to you as a far? Are are you of the 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 thought process that there are different kinds of strength, or do you think people should just get strong? Because I think that's too, you know, differing ideologies. Some people really mm-hmm. harp on movements that are specific to throwing, and some people mm-hmm. just put a barbell on your back and mm-hmm. then go throw, and they're two separate things. How do you mm-hmm. how do you break that down? Well, um, you know, I always tell people I'm a thrower that lifts. Okay. I'm not I'm not a lifter that throws. You know what I mean? Okay. So, you know, for me, I'm not an Olympic lifter, but I use Olympic lifting as a cross training technique. You okay. know? So I'm not trying to full snatch, you know, ass to the grass, you know, three fifteen above my head, you know what I mean? And for perfect form. I'm not that's not what I'm in it for. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so as far as lifting goes, I try to tell people it has to be somewhat zesty. You know, you have to lift with some type of strength. It doesn't have to be maximal strength. You know what I mean? It all depends on the person because not everybody is the same strength, no matter if their dimensions are the same. Yeah, but there is um, a line to where you don't typically see people who are, quote unquote, good at this sport without hitting a, a certain level. Yes, yeah. yes, that's true. And, and, and I, But I think that the events – see – I like watching women throw because because women tend to use more balance when they throw. Okay. So they they can manipulate their bodies better when they're off the ground. So when it, you know when you're in double again going back to like lightweight for distance when you're in double support versus single support uh-huh. right when everybody's in double support they know exactly what to do they know how to push and move yeah but usually when people are in single support that's when you get to see whether or not they're athletic or not okay yeah because you get to see what they can do what their bodies will do and what their bodies will react to and men tend to muscle things more we tend to pull we feel things something heavy we pull back on it you know what i mean women tend to feel something heavy and they tend to let it go or they move against it <laughs> they've all let me go so yeah that checks out well so you see what i mean so it's, it's kind of it, it, you know this touches on life too yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, we can, we, can, we can have a whole podcast about that. We could. You know? have you back next week. We'll There's just, man. Some parallels. Man. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, so so I like, to, I like to see people move in ways where I know that they're throwing strong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can be, like, for instance, you ever, you ever seen that, um, that History Channel special where they got Eddie Hall and all those guys together and they went out to throw the caber? Oh, yeah, and they're terrible. And they're horrible. Yeah. But all those guys are stronger than everybody in the game. Yeah, 100%. But they couldn't flip a caber. No, no, no. Um, no, this, you is, know? this is always the subject I love talking about because, like, Matt runs a strongman gym, like, yeah. primarily. There's a ton of incredibly strong people. And we've gotten a good handful of them into throwing. Mm-hmm. I think across the board, just about every one of them is stronger than me. Yeah. I, I will admit that very readily. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they don't grow as well as me. Like, it, it's just, yet. it's, mm-hmm. yet. Now, that was a point I wanted to get to here in a little bit, so don't spoil it, Matt. But, like, yeah, it, it for sure is a thing. There's a difference between people that can move and implement well versus people that can move weight well. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a different thing. And mm-hmm. you they train into one or the other, but they're not, they're not always the same. You can't mm-hmm. always push one without pushing the other um exactly i think matt vincent had a really good analogy that i'm sure wasn't his initially he was just the first person i heard talk about where he talked about like i think it was power strength and 
what was the third point? Agility. May have been agility or something adjacent to that, but it was you can't fully push to one without detracting from the other two. And exactly, exactly. It's exactly. an eternal thing of which one am I going to try and push a little more into right now without losing mm-hmm. too much of the other ones, you know? Mm-hmm. You can fully balance them because there's three sides to it and you just can't. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, but this was a topic that Matt and I started talking about the other day, so I kind of wanted to freeform on it. Because we've gotten a lot of people, at least around here, who are new into this. Uh, I wanted to talk about plateaus. And I know this wasn't mm. in our initial thing, but I think it's an interesting point that Matt and I haven't prepped for. And if you're up for talking about it, but I'm absolutely, I just kind of want to freeform about it because we've gotten a lot of newer people in this area into throwing. And like, uh, I want to know how someone who's been to the world championships, who's won a couple of them, how did you deal with plateaus? When do you? Do you see them coming? Do they kind of just come out of nowhere? And then what do you do with them when they come? You know, it, it, um, something may be progressing. Then all of a sudden you stall at that distance for the mm-hmm. long time, you know? Well, I look at it this way. So, I, I, you know, when you're younger, you know what I mean? The ego gets in the way. You know, that's the yeah. mindset, you know, to the ego. So you try harder. You try harder. It goes worse. It goes worse. You know, you, you start to have a mental upheaval and you know am i even doing this right am i why am i doing this you know mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff happens you know and it's it's something you got to step back from you know sometimes when you hit what you think is a plateau it's not necessarily a plateau it's a it's it's the body trying to re-regulate itself okay. your nervous system may be tired yeah you know um it may not be that you lost any strength but it may be that you don't have any nervous system your neurons are fried you need to sit down you need to, you know, you need to turn off for a minute, unplug. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't look at anything. Don't, you know, don't do any of those movements that you think you need to be doing. You know, you got to know when to say enough is enough. You know, and then there, then what happens is you freshen up. You feel better about yourself. You get a little bit more mentally clear. You might hear the concept that you're trying, that someone's trying to explain to you a different way. You know what I mean? I may come out the woodworks and say the same thing that Jeremy was saying, but I said it two syllables different. And now, now, now you're like, oh shit, the whole world just opened up for me. It's like, I, I don't understand. Like, differently. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you go out and you imply, I mean, you uh, implement that uh, particular modality and there, there you go. You broke through your plateau, you know, but it takes a degree of patience to allow that to happen. You know, so I particularly I don't think I ever panic when I get to a plateau because I know what to do. Yeah. You know, you've been been throwing for 20 plus years. Exactly. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, when you're a thrower and you set something up and you set up a good program, you got to be an astronaut with it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like training to be an astronaut. You go up in the, you know, space shuttle. You don't deviate. You don't do something different than what you trained for. Mm-hmm. You know they, what I mean? You stick to the plan. Trust the plan. You stick to the plan, or else all hell breaks loose. You know. So, so you know, I look at training as don't be upset of, about the things that you know are going to happen. You're yeah. going to fall down. Just get it over with. You're going to fail. Just get it over with. You're going to trip over the trick. Just get it over with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, the, all these things <laughs> gradually add up to breaking that plateau. You know, yep. because you're going to have plateaus mentally. You're going to have plateaus physically. Mm-hmm. You know. In, in in everywhere else you in, in life, you know, that's going to affect the sport. Yeah, because I, I know I, I've had them, Matt's had them, you know, you get to a certain mm-hmm. distance in heavyweight and you feel like you sit there for forever. Mm-hmm. How many times you can go out and practice, you're only throwing 30 feet every time. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You, and it just doesn't want to click just yet. Exactly. And it'll eventually it'll come, but you, you just got to keep hitting it, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. Exactly. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, you, you mentioned having a, uh, a cervical spine injury following football. Has mm-hmm. that, uh, it's, I, I like to talk about because it, inevitably everyone we talk to is injured. We, we're all, we all got banged up in some other sport and oh, yeah. up in the Highland games. Um, so it, has that held you back in throwing any particular way? Is there anything special you've had to do to, to prehab, rehab, deal with that, get through it outside well, quote-unquote norm well honestly tell you the truth man um the biggest issue for me was the ptsd that i experienced post you know being released from football and how long that stuck with me Mm -hmm. you know 
because I think, you know, one of the advantages that the kids have nowadays is they have mental health uh, services available to them to be able to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, back then, you know, this is like 90, you know, early 2000s when yeah. I had my in injury or whatever, and we didn't have those services. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there was a lot that I went through because, I mean, physically, I knew I was better, better than people, but I understood the risks that I was taking. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I opted not to take that risk. And it was only until I got into the business that I'm in right now and started working in certain sectors with certain special populations that I re really realized that I made the right decision. Yeah. You know, so it took me years to get to that point. But as far as holding me back, I don't think so. You know what I mean? I think for me, you know, being the age that I am, you know, because I feel, you know, I put it like this. I'm going to tell you not it's true. I could go down and compete with the A's. I could go compete with the pros. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't, but I don't train like that because I got other things in life to do. You know what I mean? Plus I, I like making, I like making money. So list priorities. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Um, so my priority is a little different in that way, you know, but at the same time, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I knew that I was better and I always knew that I could be better than what I was. You know what I mean? I just didn't get that chance because of whatever injury. Now, after all that said and done, and here we are today, I feel like all of those, issues that i had when i was younger that i didn't understand did help me in how i train and how i figure out training right now yeah because it's, there's not as much fervor you know i don't have as much anxiety about getting better okay you know talk about actually yeah yeah 100 not not being too in your own head about it exactly exactly you know and because really you can't really think and that's one of the things i like about throwing is that you can't really think as fast as you can throw. No, no, 100%. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like when I throw, when I'm in it and I get there on game day, there's no practicing. Mm -mm. I, I don't practice anything. I'll warm up, but I don't practice. No, no you know what I mean? Because whatever's done is done. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and whatever I did, either I did it or I didn't do it, you yeah. know? So, and it's only me in, in the implement and the trig, you know what I mean? And it's either you get it or you don't. You know, and for me, I I have confidence in that, you know, that in, in what work I did do and, or what work I didn't do, mm -hmm. you know. So for me, I think it's a mindset, you know, yeah. to break through plateaus and, you know, and, and as well as come to grips with whatever abilities or limitations that you do have at the moment. Yeah, no, I, 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 I can appreciate that mindset, man. I think it's it's pretty good. Um. Something else. So I, I don't know if you listened to our last episode. We had Aaron on, Aaron George. And yeah, stuff. that's my boy. Yeah, he, he, me too. He doesn't like Matt. I think. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, how how was that uh, Masters World Championship for you? How was it from your side? You guys uh, kind of trading back and forth for that one. We can do a little bit of story time before we. Man, I mean, which one? The the last one, the uh, Switzerland. Yeah, uh, it, any of them. You know, is is there well, any well, well, first of all, man, they were really well done and well put together events. You know, uh, Austin, of course, was the COVID, you know, uh, year, you know, um, I think that was 2020, 21, 21. Uh, yeah. So so but that was good because we got a chance to everybody in America who was, you know, who was good at the time was able to come. So that was yeah. kind of nice. But uh, Moncton, I really enjoyed, you know, Canada. Those guys were really, really cool. Mm -hmm. uh switzerland switzerland was man that was rough because it was torrential rains yeah. you know um and it was real swampy out there so for a guy like me who uses speed as an asset it yeah. was rough it was rough trying to gain traction i had all the horsepower but just no traction yeah you, you know yeah so yeah but it was good man i mean i enjoyed it i i really think um you know I think it's a, it's good to be able to see where you match up with other people in the world. Um, man, I like competing internationally. I really do. I enjoy it. I bet it's really fun. It's really I fun. For Moss, I haven't done it for – yeah, yeah, I've done it, just not for this sport, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, that's cool. I just wanted to pick your brain momentarily about that. Um, well, we've had you for, like, nearly an hour now, man. So, like, is there anything else that you just uh, wanted the floor? I mean, it's – it's your um, tens of people listening. So, well, I mean, I would say this, I would say, you know, uh, you know, to people in the community, you know, just, you know, commune with people, even if you don't know, them, 
You know what I mean? If you follow my IG and they wear a kilt, you know what I mean? Ask them a question. Ask them what they do, you know? Uh, and, um, you know, just, just be representative of, you know, what you really do. I think, I think you'll get better help that way, you yeah. know? Um, because not even I know everything. You know, one of my, two of my mentors, through, I should say, I got about three mentors in this sport. Um, but Dave McKenzie, who mm-hmm. was a big wig, you know, in the sport, he was, he was, He's yeah. on a couple of the trophies. Um, uh, Ryan Vieira, um, who him and I go way back, man, back when he was coaching at CSN, uh, uh, College of uh, Stanislaus. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Rondo, man, my, my, my boy, uh, Ryan McKee. Oh, Hank Slam Rondo. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan McKee, man. I mean, my man, you know, rest in peace uh, to both of them. But, you know, he gave me his caber, man, and gave me his broadsword. He told me before I won my first one, he said, hey, man, I know you're going to win it. You know, make sure you do, you know, and, you know, gave me everything that he had, you know what I mean, to help me help me win, you know. He's always a good man to me, you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I appreciate those cats a lot, you know, um, and miss them a lot, you know. Um, but otherwise, man, I would just say in this sport, it's just, it's community. Just try to stay in the community, you know. Try to be as friendly as you can. Try to learn as much as you can, and uh, you know, just 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 keep just keep throwing as long as you can. Yep. No, I I, I can't echo that enough. I think community is what makes sport a, a heck of a lot cooler than most of the other strength sports people will find themselves in. You know, mm-hmm. it's something we've echoed a, a lot throughout this podcast. And if we on here who have done strongman or track and field or powerlifting or all that the reason that they end up in in highland games and stay here is is that exact reason you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and I, I tell people you know all the time you know is it's not a hostile sport you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like there's no reason to be hostile in the sport most people are recreating you know what i mean in the sport so you know it makes it accessible for all you know i mean shoot people walk up to me and ask me things all the time yeah. you know what i mean and sometimes you know you get that deer in the headlight sensation when people are you know kind of standoffish and you know like you know i don't really want you to ask me anything about anything you know what i mean that's not this sport you know what i mean it just seems like a, a lot more communal you know people are willing to you know do what we're doing right now is talk about it you know yeah so you know i'm willing to you know help anybody you know, and people can send me videos. I'm willing to, you know, talk to people at clinics or whatever the case may be, man, because I'm into it, you know, and I want to see people, you know, throw far and throw hot. You know? 100%. Um, speaking of, how do you want people to find you? Do you prefer Instagram? Do you prefer Facebook? How do you work in? Uh, work man, out? they can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is just my name. Um, Instagram, they can follow me uh, if they like. Um, let's see. I don't even remember my what's my what's my <laughs> yeah so it's uh Hanuman H A N U M A N underscore seven one three five one zero okay uh on IG yeah and I'm sure when I make the post when we get this all edited and turned out I'll tag you on it so if everybody wants to to find you some kind of way yeah absolutely we'll make absolutely. Well, cool, man. Um, if you got any questions for us, now's the time. But otherwise, I, I super appreciate you coming on, man. It was it was great having you. And I'm glad we we're able to start getting this remote thing working out with some people. It's uh, yeah, yeah, so- absolutely. I mean, hey, um, you know, I'm I'm always looking to come back east, man. So you know, if you guys got anything going on, um, I'd love to come back east, you know, and check you guys out. You know, compete with yeah. you. Doesn't matter. I compete in whatever group, you know. Um, and and we can, you know, we can we can commune, man. I'd love to take you guys out for a drink or something like that, and. Yeah, yeah, just talk, talk throwing. We just got back from a whole evening of that. That's uh, you're you're speaking our language. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, man. Yeah, we man. uh, I went and got married in Scotland last year, um, and uh, it was, it, we, we 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 huh? I said the East Coast is a lot closer than Scotland. Exactly. But, but the point is, man, we we drink, <laughs> man, we drink so much whiskey. It was ridiculous. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh man, it's great. It, find your way out here. I know we run one game a year as of right now. We'll see where that uh ends up taking us. But mm-hmm. yeah, hundred percent. You guys, you guys ever thought about coming out to Pleasanton? We would love to. I think it's on Matt's list. As soon um, as I get the invite, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah. Matt's 
Matt's putting up some numbers that, uh, for my opinion, and I'm clearly biased, but I think even numerically based, he's he's good enough to throw in Pleasanton. Yeah. And yeah, it, we'll see how my season goes like two-ish years from now. You know, we'll, we'll look it up. You, you guys love- both in the A's? Sorry? A- you guys both in the A group? No, so Matt went pro last year. Um, nice. Pro yeah. and pro. I'm sitting like 73, 90, or just high mid-sevens right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, okay. last year, I think uh, 63 change. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Nice. I, yeah, it's it wasn't a horrible year for either of us. So, um, yeah, it was it was a decent time. But yeah, I know Pleasanton's definitely one of the ones that's on Matt's bucket list. Yeah, Pleasanton, Costa Mesa. Um, so hopefully knock out soon. And then my goal for the next you know year or so is to get some of the decent AM invite games. Mm-hmm, uh, so mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how that goes and how all nice. that goes for us. But yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, man. Uh, Costa Mesa and in, in, in Pleasanton. If you guys need any help or anything, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I appreciate it, man. Talk to as many people as you can about us. We'd love to come out there. Matt's a little more flexible than mine since he's all nice and self-employed. Yeah. It's it's nice for him. And then I'll I'll make whatever work that I can, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'll be at both. I'll be at both. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll run into you either if we come out there or if you drift over this. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep in touch, man. You know, definitely. Absolutely. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Other than that, we'll, uh, we'll let you get back to your night and we'll probably go to bed because it's getting a little late over here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Enjoy, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thanks, Thanks so for much. having me. Yeah. All right, now. Take Bye. care. Bye. We'd like to take a moment to talk about our other sponsor, Kim Stud. Kim Stud is an app to help you with chemistry. Written by a high school chemistry teacher who was tired of explaining everything over and over, Kim Stud is capable of solving basically any and all general chemistry problem. ChemStud is capable of showing its work using significant figures and is receiving new updates all the time. ChemStud is available on iOS and Android for $4.99 in the App Store. Stop struggling with chemistry and become a ChemStud today. The one and only Badger Highland Games Supply. If you are looking for any and all equipment related to the Highland Games, reach out to Greg Martz. He runs Badger Highland Games Supply. You can find him on Instagram or Facebook by searching Badger Highland Games Supply. He's got a full price list, hammers, weights, sheaf forks, sheaf bags, anything and everything you could need. He's your man.